1: Hello everyone and welcome back to Black Hole Cinema with Tony Black and this is a uh, a, a resurgence for this podcast actually because uh, it's been a while since Black Hole Cinema was around. People would have uh, listened to it in the past and listened to me ramble on about cinema but I've managed to corral um, one of my uh, podcasting chums to help me every few weeks do a uh, discussion about the UK box office top 10 and have a little bit of a, a skin down of all the films and see what we thought about them. So... It's great to have Sean Wilson with me.
2: Hello, Tony. How are you?
1: Hello, Sean. I'm I'm alright, I'm not too bad. You uh you, you came on Black Hole Cinema when we did the composers, the original composers episodes, which I don't know if they're still online actually, but that was that was ages ago now, that was ages ago, and then we launched into our own Between the Notes podcast afterwards so I don't know I think this is technically the first time you've been on Black Hole Cinema just to talk films.
2: I'm diversifying. Yeah because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we rebooted our own show didn't we yeah Um, from like you say from the composers into between the notes yeah so yeah happy to be here.
1: Oh thanks yeah and I thought well you know we 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 bounce off each other pretty well podcasting wise and we both like we both are big film people and you know that's something you work in and everything like that so as well doing the top 10 it it makes a fair bit of sense so this is this is a bit of a i suppose a bit of a test run really Mm -hmm. and we're going to see how we go with it and we're just going to count down the top 10 it's gonna be very simple very simple format won't necessarily be massively long but yeah we're just going to count down the top 10 and talk about um the films and talk about them um in the context of of the money they've earned. so we need. To, I, need, to, I, need to, I need. some sort of jaunty music here, Sean, to to begin the top ten. Like you, du- you probably du- du- need du-
2: like uh- the 20th Century Fox fanfare.
1: Yeah, <laughs> something, maybe something like that. Yeah, I may well have edited that in at this point, but uh, we'll see. Maybe all that. Oh, you know that cheesy sort of. Um, I think it was on like Top of the Pops or something, where he goes. On oh it goes, dun, yeah, dun, 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 yeah, yeah. Fun
2: memories, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Before I just start singing at people, let's start at number 10 then. And this is the box office total up to the 30th of May. So this doesn't include the uh, as we record Wonder Woman has just uh, hit cinemas. So uh, this doesn't include Wonder Woman at this time. So uh, because the the data comes out more midweek and we're recording at the weekend. So this is up to the 30th of May and uh, number 10 is A Dog's Purpose, which has been on release 4 weeks. Have you seen this one, Sean? I have seen it. <laughs> Um <laughs> is that it, is it like, yeah, yeah yeah, let's that's not say really. anymore <laughs> um
2: very very, very odd um film uh, sort of you know resurrection tale that's meant to set tails wagging um just uh, the idea of a, of one soul being reincarnated through several different dogs, all of whom have the voice of Josh Gad, the inner voice of Josh Gad, I should say very peculiar i mean especially when the dog is resurrected as a female alsatian still speaking with the voice of josh Gadd. that's very confusing that is i didn't have a clue what was going on there
1: it's a bit random yeah. <laughs> it's obviously holding on
2: in there at the box office so clearly people mm. are going to see it
1: well yeah it's made uh 2.6 million obviously this is uk box office figures so uh the numbers are always going to be smaller for the uk as opposed to the us but yeah it's it's just about in there it's just <laughs> it's just about sticking in there um <laughs> So, people, should people go and see it, Sean, it, or if they catch it later on on Sky or well, or whatever or DVD? Well, I
2: mean, heck, if if you like dogs, go and see it. Otherwise, I'd say, yeah, you know, it's it, it's it's not it's not really a, a big screen cinema experience. I mean, it's 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 pretty inconsequential. I'll be honest, and, and the plot twists are very very odd. I mean, I love dogs. Uh, and I kind of figure that any dog movie that fails to invest me in in its dog characters has performed something quite extraordinary, really. And it's not as bad as, as Marley and Me, which was you know, about as fun oh. as clearing up dog poop. It's, just, it's <laughs> not quite as bad as that. <laughs> but it's not
1: far off. That, that needs to go on the poster, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> not as shit as Marley yeah. and Me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right, number nine, The Red Turtle. First week of release. it's uh, It's made just shy of... Hundred thousand pounds. Um, obviously, it's gone in at number nine, so it's probably not going to stay in the top ten for very long. This is the new uh, Studio Ghibli film, isn't it? I think. I think you're a fan of this one, aren't you, Sean?
2: Yeah, it's it's an extraordinary piece of work. It's, it's backed by Studio Ghibli. It's produced by them, although it's not strictly a Studio Ghibli movie. It's sort produced through their auspices, and there are several of their most famous animators, like Isao Takahata, were on board as as sort of production advisors. But it's actually Made by Michael Dudok de Wit, I believe his name is. um It's a it's a Belgian, French, Japanese co-production. It's a nature fable. It's one of the most beautiful animated films I've ever seen. It's heartrending and inspiring, and I'm so glad it's in the top ten. It's it's a limited release. um Yeah, so you're right. It probably will drop out of the top ten, but the fact that it's got in there during its first week is very heartening. Uh, with it being um, a limited release, yeah, I'd say anyone who can go and see it, go and see it because it, it's it's an astonishingly beautiful film.
1: Yeah, I've heard, I've heard great things. I have heard great things, and you know, I I it's Studio Ghibli is, is one I I haven't really done yet because I'm not. I, I mean, I like I, lo- I like animation, but I'm not the biggest world's biggest animation fan. But I know I need to get on that. So uh, this, this you know, maybe this is a good start.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I would recommend you go and see it. It's, it's brilliant.
1: Brilliant. Wow. Okay. We may, we may not get another brilliant on this top ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's time <top laughs> round. Right. So that, you know, that's, that's saying something. So let's hope the Red Turtle sticks around. And number eight is a re-release of Moulin Rouge. Oddly enough, I didn't even know that had been re-released, strangely enough. Which has made a, apparently it's been in the it's been on release for 224 weeks. <laughs> uh, I don't quite know what that one. Should we skip over? We'll skip over that one. I don't. Quite yeah, know. I think I think um, everyone
2: knows pretty much everything about <laughs> Moulin Rouge, don't they? Really? I, yeah. I wasn't aware they'd re released. Actually, I don't remember seeing anything about yeah. it. But oh well.
1: No, me neither. It's strange, strange that that one's in there. Uh, okay, it, it, to, actually, just a, as a side point, colossal which came out recently has just plummeted. It made like 271,000. It's been out two weeks. It's already at like 15. So it's like, you'd imagine that might be around there, but Colossal seems to have bombed. Nobody really went to see it. Uh, that's um, a
2: real shame because I, I did see it and I thought it was brilliant. I can understand why it hasn't generated a mass audience. Cause it's very, very weird, incredibly weird. But I love that weirdness. I thought it's genuinely, genuinely audacious, strange movie. Uh, very, very ambitious So it's a fusion. It's a psychological monster movie, essentially. And I I can't quite claim to have seen anything like it before. I can understand why it's alienated a mainstream audience. I mean, as I understand, I think that got a fairly limited release as well. So it probably was never going to do all that well, even with Anne Hathaway in the central role but yeah it's it's a really a really interesting film again i would recommend if it's on near any near anybody go and check it out if you're into like very off the wall quirky movies
1: yes yeah, what i've been hearing and i've been hearing some people have said it's amazing some people have said no nah, it's not but yeah it's, it's one i think i'll catch when it's on now tv or whatever uh number seven then the boss baby uh, which has made twenty seven million been out eight weeks done pretty well this one um it's I've heard it's a bit odd the boss baby
2: yeah I've not seen it i've I've only I only, I only watched the trailer and I was a bit baffled by Alec Baldwin <laughs> quoting Glengarry Glen Ross in the guise of a baby I just don't, it's, it seems like one of those well I was gonna say it seems like one of those movies that doesn't know what its target audience is well clearly it does mm. because it's made a lot of money uh, I, I can only assume that might have been parents taking children during Easter during half term it's obviously released at a very advantageous time of the year for those sorts of movies yeah Mm. I'm not I'm not inspired to go and see it at all and I like Alec Baldwin
1: (laughs) apparently it followed the pot follows a baby who is a secret agent in the secret war between babies and puppies uh okay (laughs) <laughs> I don't how know. these things?
2: I'd love to sit in on the pitch meetings for some of these movies. Like, how do these movies get pitched? Oh, it's just uh, very, very odd.
1: Well, well, at least this one was based on on something. It was based on a picture book, apparently a 2010 picture book, right. of the same name. So at least there was source material. Could you could you imagine going in, coming up with that idea just off the off the, off the, off the cuff? Yeah, I mean, see, the thing is, in, in a book form, I can <laughs> see it working. But
2: just in in a, in a film, it's just fraught with all these illogical sort of inconsistencies I mean just the idea of a baby talking with a grown-up's voice well for one thing that's look who's talking isn't it it's it's a rip, it's well, ripped yeah. off of that idea it's also quite unappealing anyway the idea of a baby talking with with an with an adult's voice I just, for me that doesn't strike me as a particularly witty or interesting idea it's like hey look there's a baby talking with an adult's voice I'm like yeah Where's the yeah. joke? <laughs> yes. um, but I mean, that's been, I'd love been to see you, you be a
1: great executive there. Just like, <laughs> they go, yeah, we've got this great idea. There's a baby talking with a human voice. <laughs> so what?
2: Where, where's, the, so where's, what? The <laughs> where's
1: the joke? Where's the joke? I'd cut that one down
2: to size. But again, obviously, I'm completely on the back foot because it's made uh, a lot of money. So clearly it's struck a chord with yeah. people.
1: It's made near enough 500 million. For, so it's got enough to get a sequel. Yeah. Uh, which is coming in 2021, apparently. Possibly so by then, it will be... Yeah, yeah, or it'd be the toddler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the boss toddler,
2: and then and then uh, the tenth movie. Wouldn't you know? It? He's an adult talking with an adult voice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just <laughs> the boss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the boss man. Um, so yeah, I think we can uh, we can skip that. But uh, number six, then snatched. Uh, this is Goldie Hawn and uh, Amy Schumer. It's uh, th- second week of release. It's made one point six million. So it hasn't set the world alight, really, but uh, it's it's it seems to have done okay. Uh, this this just seems so. I mean, I, I don't. I suppose it's not aimed at me, really, but it just struck me as really. Ugh, I don't care.
2: Well, you know what? I watched it, and I actually quite enjoyed it. I mean, it is a flop, given given that it's fronted by Amy Schumer, who made such a big splash a couple of years ago with Trainwreck. And given that it's Goldie Hawn's first movie since coming out of semi-retirement, Amy Schumer persuaded her to do it. This is like Goldie Hawn's first movie in like 15 years or something. It, it came freighted with a degree of expectation and it hasn't live up, lived up to it. It has bombed. You know, I thought it was quite funny. It's, um you know, a, a, a woman who's recently split from her boyfriend and her sort of neurotic stay at home mother go on holiday to Ecuador and they end up being kidnapped and blah, 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 blah. You know, it goes a bit romancing the stone at times. I thought it was quite funny. There are some good lines in it, particularly in the first half. It does trail off towards the end, but you know what? I kept consistently laughing all the way throughout. And the bit when they um they meet up with the adventure this adventurer bloke who who you know, he's he's meant to be like this Indiana Jones style guy and they realize really quickly that oh no, he's not that. And they they go, how long have you been out here? And he goes, um, three years, weeks. <laughs> so you find out that he's been out there for three weeks, and the map he's got is that it's actually just a bar map that's stolen from like the local restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> it's like little gags like that. You're very simple things, maybe laugh. See, so yeah, I think people have taken against it. I was, I thought it was all right. I'm not surprised it's flopped because it is pretty unremarkable.
1: Well, as well, I, I kind of think. I mean, no, nobody like. Not many people under the age of maybe, I don't know, our age is really going to know Goldie Ornies anymore because she barely makes any films. And Amy Schumer, I think, is an acquired taste. I mean, I think she's all right, really. I don't know her stuff massively well, but whenever I've seen her on screen, she's never made me want to go, oh, turn it off. But at the same time, she is a little bit of an acquired taste. So it's probably going to be one of those things. And I suppose... Without wanting to sound too sexist, it's more pitched at a female audience, I would imagine. Really. Well,
2: I mean, the thing is, she was in Trainwreck, and that had broad appeal. The thing is, with Trainwreck, it's like when when an actor makes it big, you're like, right, okay, are you gonna are you gonna prove to me that you can diversify and do something else? And I don't. With Amy Schumer, she hasn't proved that she can do anything other than that Trainwreck thing. And indeed, since that movie came out, it's been a bit quiet with, with on on the movie front with her, anyway. So now this this new one comes out two years later, and people are like, why should I care? And you're quite right about. Goldie Horn as well but I I thought I thought it was fine yeah but it's obviously not going to trouble the the box office anytime soon
1: no 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 but well maybe I'll catch it then maybe I'll catch it number five then King Arthur Legend of the Sword which uh (laughs) has made (laughs) second week of release it's already at number five it's made uh 3.8 million um which uh, I suppose isn't bad but then it's not particularly good either but yeah I mean I was looking forward to this I'll be, and I'll be honest, and I try not to let this happen, but I was swayed by terrible critical press. And I, I got to the point where it came out, and I was busy anyway. I've been, been busy a few months, but I just I couldn't be asked. in the end. I was like, oh, do you know what? If, if I always go by this ruling, I think, and I've probably said this to you before, Sean, but if more than about three critics are saying that something's bad, I tend to think they're probably right. And almost everyone said that this was bad, so I just thought... Oh, What's the point? What, what was it? Was it as bad as they, everyone said? Uh,
2: yes. It, <laughs> just, I mean, it was, it's basically, it's Chaz and Arthur. That's what, it's what it is. Um, and it, it's just, you know, Guy, Guy Ritchie doing King Arthur and you think, Guy Ritchie's cheeky Cockney take on Sherlock Holmes, not so much the second, but the first one worked really well. You can't apply that formula to this sort of, Mythological tale. This needs to be invested with a degree of gravitas and sweep. You can't do the hey, what that king of all that. You can't do that with this material because it just doesn't work. It robs the material of its grandeur. It's really irritating. It's really visually boring. Um, it's it's tanked massively. It's going it's gonna come as a massive write-off for Warner Brothers. Apparently internationally, it's gonna lose them something like 175 million dollars or something like that. Um, it was an expensive film it hasn 't recouped its costs in America. It looks like it 's going to do very, very badly over here when indeed you know it's it 's at number five, but I imagine people probably thought it was going to do better than that yeah i I just I thought it was just really, really boring and the, the whole shuffling time frames thing as well, which is that it will withhold information from the audience about a key scene, so key scene won 't play out in its entirety, and later on it will go back to King Arthur. Who's like? Yeah, well, you may have noticed that there was this bloke over here, and there was that bloke with a nose, and there was that bloke with a finger, and, da, 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 da. and it's just like that. That doesn't work with King Arthur. It worked with Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. It doesn't work here. It's it's a mm. disastrous mismatch of director and material. And
1: in a way, I mean. It, it... If you mentioned Sherlock Holmes, it, it was lucky that it got away with it there because a lot of people could have gone, well, this isn't Sherlock Holmes. It's much more like gypsy banter kind of da 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 da, da. And, But it, it does work. It does work really well with the Sherlock Holmes films, and I think it probably has something to do with the fact that it's got Robert Downey Jr. in it in a, in a big way. But then oh, Charlie Hunnam's just a bit boring, isn't he? I mean, there's it, nothing wrong with him necessarily as an actor, but I've never seen him do anything other than that sort of quietly brooding... Sort of angry young man, and I'm a bit bored of it now. I mean, I I loved Sons of Anarchy, uh, and he and he was really good in that. But then he had good writing behind him. He had he had good pulpy sort of television writing. I don't know. Just all this there's just very little in it that make that makes me want to go. Oh, this looks good. This looks good fun. And and as I said, I was looking forward to it conceptually because I quite like Guy Ritchie.
0: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns.
1: on the whole, you know, he makes some duff films, but most of the time he does all right. So I was, yeah, I was just disappointed to hear so much of what kind of things you've just said, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll stand up for the man from Uncle. I thought the man from Uncle was brilliant. Yeah. I know you, were, you would as well, but the, this yeah, is just... It, yeah, I it, He's not, he wasn't the right person to, to put this sort of spin on, on, this, on this material, um, you know, the big crashing battle scenes, which are very, very post-Lord of the Rings and then, are now unfathomably dull... Yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm not surprised it, it's tanked because I, mm. I don't really think it knows who it's aimed at,
1: which is a shame. It's aimed at companies! <laughs> <Yeah. Hey! laughs> yeah. And you know, <laughs> maybe maybe they're, that they're all the people who went to see it, yeah. and paid the 3.8 million. Uh, <laughs> all right, number four, Alien Covenant, 11 million, 11.6 million, three weeks. Uh, it's done pretty well, and uh, you know, I liked it. I, I for what it was, I liked Alien Covenant. I thought it was. a a decent mix of the old kind of alien style that Ridley Scott does I I love Prometheus so I was happy to see all that Prometheus slightly up its own ass god stuff in there (laughs) and uh yeah I I enjoyed it and you're not as big a fan though are you Sean?
2: I, I enjoyed bits of it I mean there's a lot to admire about it it is a total mess and I think that Ridley Scott is increasingly painting himself into a corner which makes less and less sense you know the further this series goes on um It's a real shame because he's obviously a visual stylist and indeed probably the reason why this is done so well is because it is it is visual grandiose cinema spectacle that demands people go and see it on the big screen. I mean, Ridley Scott is one of the few directors now who can command that sort of attention on the big screen. So it's not surprised that it's done well at the box office in terms of being a piece of storytelling. It's it's I think it's it's pretty disastrous, despite all the ideas are interesting in it they're just it's it's the classic more common wise thing you know I'm, i've got all the right ideas they're just not just not necessarily in the right order <laughs> uh, it's all over the place and you know you end up with more coming out with more questions than when you went in and that's never really a good sign you think okay there's a piece of coherent storytelling this hasn't worked it'll be interesting to see how well it does over the next few weeks It's clearly done well now, I think, because again, there is that inherent appeal, you know, familiarity with the Alien saga, but it threatens to make a a hodgepodge of it. And, you know, the closer we get to Alien now, the more the more trepidatious I'm going to get. About it, so yeah, it's it's a it's a mixed bag with me. It's a real mixed bag.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's unnecessary sequel, isn't it? I mean, it, all this, I mean, even even to an extent, Prometheus. Although, at least Prometheus is tr- was trying to sort of do new things, really. But this is, and especially any sequels that Ridley Scott, you know, he's talking about doing about fifty sequels to this before he dies. It, they're they're all just a bit pointless. They're all just a bit unnecessary, really. For for as enjoyable as they are, I, in my eyes. At the same time, I'm thinking, well, we don't need this, do we? You know, Alien and Aliens are brilliant films. There's mixed sort of belief in, in terms of the, some of the other sequels. But, you know, it, it just it's funny because I've just yesterday been reading about how Neil Blomkamp has been coming out saying about how his Alien 5 um, sequel has, was was torpedoed and he's dead. And, you know, it's heavily hinted that it's because Ridley Scott wants to keep hold of this universe himself and he's having this much fun doing all this prequel stuff. And I'm thinking, well, you know what, I'd rather see Alien 5, quite honestly. I really would.
2: Well, see, I would say that. But then apparently Neil Blomkamp's Alien 5 was going to write out the what happened in Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, which I think isn't fair because whatever you think about those films, they are canon, they are part of that franchise. And I like Alien yeah. 3, I'll stand up for Alien 3. So in a way, I'm kind of glad that hasn't happened. But I think that as far as I'm concerned, you know, no matter how much Ridley Scott tries to contort this series and no matter how much he tries to add these grandiose philosophical spiritual elements to what was essentially a sci-fi horror franchise i can quite easily shut myself off from these new movies and still regard alien as the pinnacle i mean no matter how much he tries to connect the dots between this and alien i, I, can, I can switch my brain off from these movies i can just ignore these new ones because alien will still always be up there as an extraordinary one of the most extraordinary films ever made and in the end scott is only going to damage his own reputation uh, in the eyes of of people, I think the more the more he does this. And I wrote I wrote a, a freelance feature about how very often Ridley Scott is at his best when he's when he's making a movie that's based on a really good piece of source material, not necessarily just a good script, but an actual book that has a, a predefined structure to it. Uh, I wrote an article about this for Flickering Myth, and it's interesting to note how how often that is actually the case. Like so you look at Blade Runner, The Duelists, The Martian. I mean, Alien had an original script, the first Alien, but it was a really good original script, uh, really well written. And this isn't.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe you know, you 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 put an idea in my head, Sean. Maybe an idea for a, an Alien prequel or sequel is get and Wise in. <laughs> you know, let's just just let's just time travel, yeah, get would Morecam- <laughs> <laughs> Be amazing. I'd love that. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, obviously. 37 million, uh, nearly 38 million over five weeks. So I think we can pretty much safely say this has been a monster hit. And much as I don't think it's on a par with the first film at all, I think it's great fun and I'm really glad it's done well.
2: Yeah, it, it is fun. Yeah, you're right. It is, it is a couple of pegs down, a couple of notches down from the original, but it's it's still great fun while you're watching it. And yeah, well, it's it's no surprise that it's done well, is it? Because it's really released at the end of April during the bank holiday and it's a Marvel movie. It's, it, it was It was always going to do well. Uh, it's a sort of mass popcorn entertainment that that's that's actually really it's, really... it's a really agreeable film. It's a very likeable film. And, yeah, James Gunn's marshalling of all these wonderfully quirky off-the-wall characters and, again, the use of the, as, as you call it, the dad rock soundtrack. <laughs> <Same
1: Yeah>. <laughs> Love the dad rock.
2: The dad rock, yeah. Again, against all the beautiful space um, vistas in the action. That still works. Gangbusters. The story... For me, isn't as interesting this time around. I mean, there is a there is a problem in the second half, in which Star Lord is quite literally grounded and spends a lot of time walking around moaning about his um, sort of da- uh, father. You know, who is it? Who is his father? And things like that. And I'm kind of thinking, yeah, I kind of I get the point. I, I get the point. I I want more of the frivolity and the seemingly effortless quirkiness of the original which came out of nowhere and the first one came out of nowhere and absolutely bowled me over completely whereas this one you can see they're straining to try and get that magic back again they're trying harder to to keep it loose and to keep it casual whereas the first one was just loose and casual without even trying but yeah i I, i'm I'm glad it's done well because say what you will about it and it's very flawed it is one of the most distinctive Marvel movies out there, just in terms of its, you know, utterly bonkers cast of characters.
1: Yeah, I, I'm always happy when Marvel films do well because I, I, much as you know, there's there's plus, pluses and negatives with cinematic universes. I've always enjoyed Marvel, and I think I always will. And it's great when. Guardians, you know, like you say, is something a little bit different even within that sphere. So it's nice to see it do well, even if it isn't as good as the first film. Um, but like, it was always gonna, it was always gonna do well. It's so heavily promoted. It's it's fun. It's got it's got a, it's it's already embedded itself into pop culture. So. Good on it, good on it. Uh, number two, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul. I think we've all, we've both been looking forward to this one, Sean. Oh, <laughs> you it's know what? top of our list. I, I
2: will say, I'll stand up for the original Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. I think they're really funny. I've not seen this one. Apparently it's awful yeah. and it's had, it's got terrible reviews. I mean, I, I can only assume the reason why it's so high up at the UK box office is because of the half term. Yeah, That can uh, surely be the only reason for What's it. It's
1: parents, <laughs> parents in it? Parents thinking, oh, let's just shut them up for two hours, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stick them in a the cinema. <laughs> It's because it's made 1.5 million in in a in a week, so yeah, I'm sure it'll do well, and it will probably be all these all these things. They tend to sort of linger around for weeks. Like I, I, this will probably still be on cinema showings in the six weeks holiday. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's how it tends to work now. I mean, Beauty and the Beast is still on at various points over the half terms and things like that, and that's been out since March. Uh, or, or uh, yeah. February or whatever, and it's just...
2: I mean, that that's done extraordinarily yeah. well, isn't it? Has that taken something like 50 to 60 million in this country? And that's that's astonishing. I mean, I know, I think it's taken over a billion worldwide, hasn't it? Which is astonishing. It's I mean, well. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, the
1: long haul, isn't, isn't likely to do that. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going to take a billion long. just in the UK. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ugh, I'm never going to watch it, really. It's Until I'm a dad... Then I'll probably watch all of them, and I'll probably do all these things, and I'll be able to talk at length for like two hours about every Diary of a Wimpy Kid film. <laughs> but until then, no.
2: When, when it's clear that they've rebooted the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie with new with new cast members, because obviously the original cast members are now too old to pass for Wimpy Kids, <laughs> uh, I, I think it'll it'll drop out of the box office quite quickly. I would have mm. thought uh, the, the younger audience members will probably react with disgust.
1: Yeah, <laughs> disgust. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, number one then this week, inevitably, Pirates of the Caribbean, Salazar's Revenge, or Dead Men Tell No Tales, or, oh, I'm Captain Jack Sparrow, or whatever they're calling it these days. It's made 5.2 million in week one, so I think we can say this is going to romp home.
2: Yeah, depressing as that is. I just, Uh, I
1: really, again, this was one, I was supposed to be going on the Fail Critics podcast this Monday. I'd sort of tried to shoe-arm myself in so I could talk about Roger Moore dying, but in the end, I didn't go on it. Partly because I was busy. Partly because I had no motivation. I had had a whole weekend to... to, Not no no motivation to go and fail critics. I had no motivation to go and watch Pirates. (laughs) And I had no motivation whatsoever to go and watch this film. I mean, have you seen it?
2: Yeah, it's just dispiriting. There's no personality in it whatsoever. And that's a real shame because the directors... Joachim Roening and Espen Sandberg made *Contiki* a few years ago, which was a very interesting fact-based nautical adventure movie. And I thought, great, they've got they've got some really talented directors behind this this new pirates movie, and they've got Javier Bardem as the villain. And nothing happens in it. It's it's literally it's got no personality whatsoever. It's just flat. It's just, it, it, it's becalmed. It's it's a movie that is completely becalmed. And you want, it's a pirate movie. It's a pirate movie with supernatural overtones, with characters flying in left, right, you know, sword fights, cannons going off, big ships. And you think, how is it possible to make something boring like this? You know, pirate movies are some of the most fundamentally exciting things ever. You don't have to work very hard to make a pirate movie exciting. But the thing is, they it gets so bogged down in the in the mythology of the wider pirates universe. It becomes so much about all this irrelevant crap that, that you're just not interested in. And the way that it tries to link back to the earlier films, the first three, that is, the ones with um Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley in them. It's like, I don't care. Just give me a yeah. pirate movie. Give me something that's exciting. And I said this, you responded to this on Twitter. Johnny Depp has turned into Frank Spencer from Some Mothers <laughs> Do Avon. You know, That's what he sounds like. I mean, that's not Frank Spencer, but um, I don't know what that is. I mean,
1: Ross Kent uh, <laughs> Frank, Frank Spencer meets yeah meets Phil Mitchell. It's, it's, exactly. But it, but it's, I mean, but it's it, that it, whole thing that like Frank Spencer was funny, you know. And and uh, well, I, see, I'd say that's debatable. Well, yeah, I was going to say right. It depended on on your point of view. I always found Frank Spencer funny, but that kind of buffoonery. He's very hit and miss. You either, you either go in... I mean, I love physical comedy. I love pratfalls. Which is ironic, really, given I don't like the Pirates films. Because I should. Mm. For, in, in theory, I should. Because I love physical comedy. It's the thing that makes me laugh the most. Hence why I loved Some Mothers Do Avon with its ridiculous stunts. And him going, "Oh, Betty! I just cracked me <laughs> up. But this... It just
2: grates. It is is really grating, and Johnny Johnny Depp doesn't even look like he's invested in it anymore. There's a moment where Jack Sparrow climbs, climbs on top of a wall, and sort of wobbles around a little bit, and then falls face down in mud. And you just, it, 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 it is Frank Spencer, but it's, it's just not funny. And, it, and it's its really depressing. And not even he looks bothered about playing this character anymore. And it is a shame because this is the role that basically transformed him from being a really interesting maverick indie actor into a big blockbuster star who could choose his own projects. And the more I think about it, the more I think I'm not sure if that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't think it is. Really.
1: I, 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 I mm. much prefer when when I'm watching Johnny Depp when it's something a bit odder. Or a bit strange I mm-hmm. Like so I watched um, the Ninth Gate, the Roman Polanski film. I, I, oh, yeah, I love that film. Yeah. I think, I think it's, a, it's a really slow film, but I really like that film. And he, in that, he couldn't be further away from Jack Sparrow. And that's like the late '90s, so it was before he did Pirates. And you know, I miss I miss seeing that Johnny Depp or things like Secret Window. You know, which they're not necessarily all amazing films. But there's things in them that I like, and there are much more muted kind of performances. And I think he's so far away from that now with all his... You
2: he, he can't, he can't go back to that no. now because he, he's too big. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's made a load of money. It will continue to make a lot of money. Although, interestingly, it has flopped in, in America mm. big time. Apparently, America's had its worst ever memorial day box office weekend since 1999 i think so that must have sent the disney executives a memo which is basically people don't seem to care about this although obviously it's probably going to do very well on the international market as a lot of domestic box office flops do now they make their money internationally in places like china but yeah, it's just, it's just very joyless. Mm. Um, a damp squid. Yeah, or yeah.
1: <laughs> well, maybe even a damp squid in the in the case of yeah, pirates. Squid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. All right, well, that's the top ten. Uh, you, you, there are going to be there are a couple that are definitely going to make a, a headway into this going into next week. You'll have Baywatch, which obviously came out the Monday after this weekend, so it, it was. Obviously, with a film, you know, it's always the it's always the way when they're nervous about how a film's going to do, they release it on a Monday and then they yeah. track that as the <laughs> yeah. following weekend's box office, so they can make an extra five days' money.
2: They basically cheated, yeah. and they're, they're cheating because it will be at, it will be at number one with those cumulative yeah. five days from Monday to Friday.
1: <laughs> exactly, but it doesn't mean that it's you know it's it's as doing as well. It's, it's you know yeah, it's a cheat, yeah. it's a cheat. And obviously, Baywatch was one of the films that flopped on that Memorial Day weekend, so. It, you know, we'll, we'll see. Wonder Woman will be in there as well, probably possibly at number two, given the Baywatch effect. But you know, there's every chance I think Wonder Woman could then rise to number one a successive week because I think that's going to do really well. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back soon, hopefully for more. Uh, box office top 10 I think I've quite enjoyed this Sean I think we should do this every now and then
2: it's really good fun it's it's good recapping what's out actually it's it's nice to keep on top of it yeah, yeah up for doing it again yeah,
1: cool we won't do it every week obviously because we'll be talking about the same films <laughs> for quite a while but <laughs> yeah. every so often every few weeks I think we'll come together and we'll do a little breeze through the top 10 and maybe you can you know maybe find a couple of things that you wouldn't have normally gone to see or things you might catch based on our, uh, our discussions so um, yeah thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time
0: Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe